On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Marlena. And Marlena was married to a toxic narcissist for 22 years. It's a story of subtle abuse, belief systems, parental alienation, and doing the inner work in the aftermath. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of narcissistic abuse. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before I get out of my way and your way and we get to our episode with Marlena, I just want to first thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star review as it helps out the show when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently, please do go there if you want to be part of our show. At our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, at the top of the page, there'll be a thing that says guest form or like be a guest on the show. I can never remember. Anyway, you click on that button and, you know, if you fill out the guest form, we have a little back and forth and eventually we'll set up an appointment. But before that, if you want to, you know, be on our show, the quickest way to be a part of the show is to also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. And to read a letter to your narcissist and be part of our letters to our narcissist compilation episode, we have a voicemail recorder on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. To record, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It is on the right side of the page. It's always floating around. It's hard to miss. There's a button there that says send voicemail. Press it and away you'll go. It uh, records up to about five minutes into about, I mean, it records five minutes. So if you need more than five minutes... Press it a second time. You'll get 10 minutes. Press it a third time. You'll get 15. We are accumulating these letters to have a volume four of that episode. So send in those voicemails. And if you want me or my old pal, Melissa, to read your letter instead, please just send us a letter to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Put letters to my narcissist in the subject line and we will go from there. Other things on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Well, what do we have here? High-conflict parenting courses. Yes, they can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting. And many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court 
and now he's helped create many parenting courses that will help you too through divorce to help you support your children. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else do we have here for you today? Our Patreon, everyone. Yes, we started a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow up episodes with former guests and much, much more, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. And now I just want to thank Marlena for being a part of the show. And it was an honor uh, sharing, having her share her story with us today. So, and now I am rambling. I'm just going to get out of my way and your way. Here is my interview with Marlena. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Marlena. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, I am not going to do any sort of rambling. I'm going to get out of my way and your way, Marlena. Thank you for being here. The floor is now yours. Awesome. Well, um, so I wanted to start out by just saying anyone who has ever dealt with something like this is just an amazing, strong, warrior-type person. I mean, this is just, it's amazing what these types of relationships can put you through. I mean, this is just a, um, it's so hard to convey that. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to say during this kind of podcast and um, to tell my story, I just kind of wanted to really um, to say how much that, you know, going through something like this has been so traumatizing and so hard. And so, and you try to say, well, you know, how do you put that in words? And I don't know. I'm going to try to do the best I can as far as that goes and, and hope that it lands on the hearts of those who are currently going through something like that and who um, don't even know maybe that they're in a relationship like that. Because my story is that... Um, it's kind of crazy as I start out, but um, I was married for 22 years. Um, and I guess I can start by saying that when you get into these types of relationships, it's so, um, so, so charged and there's this charisma and there's this infatuation and love and like, you, like these fireworks. I mean, I think that, most of these relationships are so, um, so fast paced and so like, wow, like what, who is this person and, and how did I get here? You know, kind of thing, but you're so swept up in it. And for my story, when I met this person, um, who is now my ex-husband, I was 17 years old and he was two years older than I was. And we connected, um, at our high school and right away, I knew that there was something about him. I just kind of felt like, man, there's like this air about him. And, um, and so, you know, of course, he was good looking and he was charming. And some of the things that he would say, you know, were, were just kind of like, wow, you know, like, this guy's really smart. 
and um, and I kind of immediately put him on this um, like this pedestal, and I looked up to him because he was also you know he was two years older than I was, and um, and of course you know all the girls kind of really liked him and thought he was just so cute. So it felt like an honor that he paid attention to me, which is so crazy to say that now, but. Um, we, you know, we started talking and right away there was this, um, this, this feeling that I had this supercharged feeling and I don't, I never had experienced it before. And so I thought, oh my gosh, like I even remember saying to myself, like, this is going to be my husband. This is going to be my husband. And I, and, and it was so odd, you know, cause here I am 17 years old and I'm in high school, you know, um, but we started dating and we, I got really, you know, kind of, like I said, put him up on this pedestal, like he couldn't do anything wrong, but we would have these like dynamic talks and I thought he was so smart and he would talk like almost above me. He would use like big words and he would say things that, you know, I, I, after our days or whatever, I would have to kind of like go home and start like checking it in the dictionary at the time. It was like a dictionary that we had. We didn't have Google. We didn't have any of that stuff. So it was all pre internet days. Um, so like checking things up on the internet and, or, um, checking things up on, in a dictionary and kind of saying, Oh, okay. That's what he meant by that. And so kind of just like right off the bat, I kind of felt like I wasn't good enough for him, you know? And, um, which is, Again, I, I, some of these things that I say, I think, what, what was going on with me, you know? Um, and how did I get so hooked um, into this relationship? And so as we started dating, um, he would speak, and, and he knew, it was almost like he knew every subject. He knew all of this information. And I would just kind of listen, and I would just think, oh, my gosh, like, this guy's so awesome. He, he knows about everything. He was so charming and so... Um, he was able to get people to like listen to him and, and buy into what he was saying. And um, we, I went fast forward, I graduated, he went off to the military um, and he had dreams of um, becoming like a Navy SEAL. And, um, and I went on to college and went and did a year um, and I studied like criminal justice or something. And, during that time, he, you know, he kept talking about like, you know, I want to get serious with you. I think we can really, you know, like, I want you to be here with me. Like, there's nothing more than I want. And so I kind of was like, well, what do we do? You know, like, you want to get married or something? And he, I mean, he came home off of leave and was like, you know, let's, let's kind of do this. Let's get married. And he asked me to marry him. And of course, you know, like my mom is, kind of like, you know, like, have you lost your mind? You're like 19 years old, you know? And I was like, I don't care. I, I like love him. I love him. So, um, I started planning the wedding and he went back to, um, where he was stationed at. And so we were kind of like, you know, corresponding on the phone, like, Oh, do you like this? Do you want this? Whatever for the wedding. And he didn't really take much interest in it, but I kind of thought like, yeah, it's the guy thing, whatever. And, um, so we started planning and he came home, um, to get married. And when he did, I just noticed there was something like 
starting to go on with him. Like I noticed like he was drinking more and he had always been kind of like a drinker before, but it was during those times when he would be drinking that he was also very poetic and he could very much like he, you know, everybody else would be like stumbling drunk and he, that would be like when he got supercharged. And so it was like, he would start talking about all this stuff and you were like, wow, this guy's like really like a seasoned drinker or something, you know, like he's so, you know, again, like that charisma that he had. Um, and so when he had come back from, um, you know, when he was coming back home to get married, um, we, you know, like it was the day of the wedding and, um, I got to the wedding and, you know, it was a small intimate wedding and, um, my, my, uh, bridesmaid came up to me and she's like, you know what? He's really drunk. And I was like, really? Like really drunk? And she's like, yeah, he's pretty drunk. Like he's pretty wasted. And I was like, oh my God, like, okay. You know, but she, again, she didn't really want to stress me out. She was just like, let's, let's get this done, you know, whatever. So the wedding came and you could tell that he was like wasted. And I was just like, oh, you know, like that's such a bummer because we planned this for like almost a year. You know what I mean? We had like my, my mom and my dad, you know, I'm like an only child. So my, my parents really like wanted to make it special, you know, and, and they had put a lot of money towards this and, and it was like my special day kind of thing. And it felt like he almost really didn't care, you know what I mean? In a sense. And, um, and so during, you know, we left, the wedding after, you know, we said our vows and everything like that. We got pictures and we got into the limo and he's no, oh, you know, like, let's go get drinks, you know, and the limo driver's like, oh, you guys are going to the reception. Like, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, no, like, let's stop at the liquor store. And I was just kind of like, that's so weird. Like, we're, we're married. Like, what the heck? Like, why do we got to go to the liquor store, you know? So we pulled in and he gets out and he grabs some, you know, like, I don't know, vodka or something like that. And we get to the reception and um, everyone is just like, you know, congratulating us. And we have like, I think 200 people at our reception. So it was a big kind of party and it's a big wedding. Um, and yeah, big wedding and, and so many like family members and friends that had come in and it was just like such a nice thing. And I kept looking over at him because he was just like blackout drunk. Like at this point, like there was just this look in his eyes that kind of was like I had seen before when we were dating and that always reminded me, it always kind of triggered something in me that was like, Oh my God, like anything could happen at this point. You know what I mean? Like he was so like, just, I don't know. Like he could say like mean things. He could do radical stuff. Like what? He had this like look in his eye and, and it kind of like took me back a little bit. But again, I was like, the best day of your life. And so I'm celebrating with my friends and my family and just trying to like have a good time. And, um, so we, you know, we wrapped up with the reception and we went on, you know, to, um, you know, like our hotel and everything like that. And three days later we left and we went back to where he was stationed at, which was Florida. And, um, and we started this new life and I immediately was just kind of like, so I guess in this whirlwind because, you know, I had just gotten married and then now I'm moving and the excitement from everything and, and then, you know, landing in our new place and adjusting to being a new, new like wife, mm -hmm. um, at 20 years old, you know, uh, and before you um, continue, what were you chalking everything up 
two at that point, you know, the behavior at the wedding, uh, what kind of, I guess, excuses in your mind were you uh, giving to the behavior to let it slide? Were you, were you putting up a stink about it? Did you argue about it? Or did you just say, like, let's just get to the next step? I didn't. And, and, you know, like, as I look back and I, like, reflect, I've been journaling a lot, but I, like, think about those times, those early moments of, like, like, I didn't speak up for myself. I felt like I was so swept up in his, like, charm, like, almost kind of like a spell, if so to speak. Like, I just kind of thought, like, oh, you know what, like, this is just, like, you know, this is just him being him, or... Or this is, you know, like, I'm a fiancé and I need to start acting like, you know, like I support him in this. Or I, you know, like, his behavior was was not right. But at the same point, I just felt like, um, I don't know. I, it's, that's such an interesting question because what, what, I have kind what, of what, what that. was your belief system in marriage and relationships? Was that guiding you a lot? I think it was. I think there was this um, this notion of like, you know, when you get married, like this is it. This is your partner. And my parents had been married, you know, like they just celebrated their 50th anniversary. But I always looked at them as being like, wow, like, you know, like you just kind of like tolerate some bad things in a marriage or you just tolerate like some crappy behavior and you just kind of chalk it up to being like, oh, they're just having a bad day. And I think that I wanted to just show him that, like, I would stick with you no matter what. Like, you know, thick and thin, like, I'm, you know, I'm your girl. Like, we, you know, there is no... And so... So, so it's, 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 allowed- it's going back to that old, uh, when you started to date him, that you're impressed with him and you want yes. to show that you are good enough. Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think a lot has to do with, like, that internal feeling of like, you know, like if you simmer everything down, like it's that, you know, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy. Something, something in me started that chain reaction. And so therefore I had to hustle into this relationship thinking that like, I had to prove to you, like, I am good enough. Like I am your girl. I'm going to stick by you. And many times, like, I heard this thing this one time and it was like these sliding glass door moments of life. And it's either a moment where you can like help, you know what I mean? And help the situation or you can harm the situation. And I just kept feeling like I'm always going to help the situation. Like I, I, I'm going to stick by you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do this for you because this is who I am. And, and I love you and, you know, love, to me meant like accepting any and all behavior, you know what I mean? No matter at what cost, even if I was betraying my own personal, like, Oh, this doesn't feel so good, but I would ignore that voice inside. And it was kind of like, well, you know, like this is what a good wife does. You know what I mean? Like that kind of mentality started right away. And I think it even started, like I said, like when we were dating and I would like come home from a date and, my parents would say, like, oh, how was your date? And I'm like, oh, fine, you know, as I went up to my bedroom and I started, like, checking up the dictionary, like, oh, he used this word and it was this. Or I'm reading, like, trivia pursuit cards because I want to have some sort of conversation that I can engage with him about because I felt like he was so smart 
and so like bright that I didn't have anything to offer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is like so damn sad when you really think about that. Like, where did that start at? You know what I mean? Like, I have been, you know, just trying to like simmer that down because I'm like, where did that start? You know, because I had a good childhood. I had a good, you know, my parents were attentive and, and, you know, it, it had nothing to like, I didn't have any crazy things that happened that would warrant that kind of feeling. But I think it was just that I looked at him and I felt like there was no possible way that I was good enough, you know, and I think that set the tone for the whole marriage, you know, um, and you, you because were, you were was, 17 years old. When well, you, you, right. And, and I was 17 years old and I was in high school yes. and then it's slowly like I, this was like my real first boyfriend. I mean, when you talk about like, you know, um, how, like just how much that like impacts your way of thinking, like, you know, like your, you know, your, your first whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, okay, you know, like that's that this has such like it has its own kind of like hooks in you anyway, you know what I mean? And and you share that intimacy with them and, and that's just it's it's such a a powerful thing, you know. And um and I think he knew that he think I you know, I think he knew when he went to the military, like just kind of how like I've gotta get her. You know what I mean? Like she's you know, she's off to college and I'm gonna make sure that, you know like we get married, you know, and I was, and like I said, I was so young. I was 20 when I got married, you know, and what, you know, I mean, my God, I think now I'm 43 and I think, what did I know at 20? I didn't know anything. You know what I mean? I did, I really didn't know who I was or my, my sense of anything. Um, Do you know what I knew at 20? Less than you. (laughs) Less than you. Right. I mean, it's such a, it's such a vulnerable age. It's like you're, you're an adult, but you're not, and you're trying to like make your way in the world, you know? And now you're, now you basically have signed, so to speak, a contract. And what that contract was is that you, you've given yourself to someone you've, you've made this a contract for life. And I think that's what that kind of always echoed in my mind as things were really rough, you know what I mean? And, and it was kind of like, well, I need this contract. And so I need to stick with it. And so one of the things that like, you know, when we were away, when we moved three days after the wedding, we moved to Florida. And I remember just kind of like, as things started to settle down and it was like, okay, I wasn't swept up with the, planning the wedding and I wasn't like this whirlwind kind of romance or whatever. It was like, you know, I was, I was, it was just kind of like things had just kind of like stopped for a minute and I just been settling into a new town, a new house, a new life, a new way of being really. Um, and so I'm here and, you know, I happened to be doing like, this was one of the other things that I kind of just was like, wow, why didn't I say anything? Like, you know, there were so many of those, like, red flag type things, but, um, you know, I was doing this laundry and, um, I was like, you know, like picking stuff off the floor and I found like this big, like, I don't know, like probably a strand of like five or six condoms, like, you know, like just like unopened condom, like pack or whatever. 
and I, I like held it in my hand and I'm thinking, because he lived in that apartment before I had even gotten there. Like he was, had already set up everything and he was living at that apartment. And so when I got there, I just like, you know, was like, Oh, I'm home kind of thing. Um, but I like looked at that and I thought, I wonder if he had been cheating on me at all. Like before he, we even got married, like, you know, I just kind of was like, that kind of gave me like this. Uh, and then I remember throwing the, that away and then like maybe an hour later, him coming in through, you know, from work, walking in through the door and, and I never said anything. Like I never, like most women, women I think would be like, Oh my God, well, what the hell is this? Like I found this, what do you, you know, like just go ballistic. But I just, again, it was like one of those moments that I was just like, Oh, you know, and I just quiet myself and I silenced myself and I, and Again, I feel like that kind of set the tone of the relationship in so many ways. And that's the real kind of like um, the saddest part, I think, and why it takes so long to feel because you have to stop and you have to start thinking like, why, 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 you know? Um, but there were so many moments like that. You know, there were moments of like when we would go, you know, like out with his friends or... You know, like, I remember, like, you know, um, having, like, this really, um, like, a little gathering at our, our place. And, um, and like, all the women of the guys, you know, that were in the military or whatever were kind of, like, in our kitchen. And we were just kind of talking. And the guys were, like, out on the porch. And they were drinking. And they were getting loud. And I hear him kind of just talking about the fact, like, oh, yeah, you know, I was with this stripper and she did this and blah, blah, blah. And all of the women kind of just, like, slowly, like, looked at me. And I think my face just said it all. Like, I was like, oh, my God. You know, like, what is he talking? You know, like, this is my husband. This is, like, my brand-new husband, like, maybe of, like, three weeks, you know what I mean? And he's talking about, like, being with this, like, stripper, you know? And I was just like... And it was, like, in this, like, very descriptive type way. And I, I just remember thinking, like, oh, my God. And all of the women were, like, oh, well, I'm going to go use the restroom or, hey, did you, you know, and trying to, like, be that, like, you know, like, this kind of uncomfortable kind of awkward kind of thing. And, again, you know, like, I never said anything once once everybody left, you know, because I felt like, oh, this is, you know, that was in the past that was in the past and this is our new life. And, and this is just what, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever, you know, and I don't know. It's like, I don't know what happened, you know, for me to be so like, um, you know, uh, passive, um, non-confrontational. I don't even know what the word is that, you know, kind of was like that. And, and I think that, you know, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around. I mean, I was so young and I felt like I was in a new city. I was in a new town and new friends. I, I couldn't really call my parents because I felt, you know, there were times where I was like, oh, my God, how do I get myself out of this? But I couldn't because my parents had just spent a lot of money on a wedding. You know, I mean, nowadays it's crazy. But, you know, at that time, like I knew my parents, you know, had just, Sold out like a month ago that this huge, enormous amount of money. And I couldn't call them and say, you know what? I, 
I want to come back home, you know, and part of it was, was that echo in my head that just kept, kept saying, you know, like, you know, this is, this is kind of what you sign up for. You need a contract and you're going to stick with this guy, you know, through thick and thin. And this is just kind of a rough time. You know, doesn't everybody have a bad first year when they get married, you know? And so that's kind of what I said to myself to excuse that kind of bad behavior, you know? Um, and so, you know, there were, I mean, like that devaluation kind of thing, like you just kind of like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's you know, like, let's make that right, you know? And again, I, I just don't know why, you know what I mean? And, and I think that that's probably as you go through these types of like stories or, you know, like when survivors talk about like what they've been through, like there's this, there's this, um, kind of like, why, 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 why did this happen? Why did, you know, and, I don't think you ever really get the answer why. And you know what I mean? It's just kind of like you have to you have to kind of know that like maybe, you know, there was brainwashing going on, there was gaslighting going on at that time. There was things that, you know, um that you don't really know the inner workings of what was really truly going. Like I can look back and I can say, Oh my god, like I was so dumb and oh my God, like my self-esteem was so bad, but you know, how did it get that way? There were inner workings of that relationship that were all put into play. You know what I mean? So so when, when did, uh, I guess devaluation in the sense of like put downs and gaslighting and, uh, I guess, was there attacks on your uh, self-esteem, like actual, um, not just ones that you were, you know, your self-esteem, not that it took a hit before, but you were always climbing, yeah. uh, upward and, and reaching upward and you had him on this pedestal. Uh, was there a certain yeah. point where then he like, he took initiative on it? Yeah, I think, I think that any opportunity, you know, like I said, in the beginning, there was this part of him that was so, um, like smooth and it was like poetic when he would drink he would just kind of like start talking about like weird things or spiritual type things or things that I was like really interested in and it would seem like it just flowed out like um like finesse like just so smooth and suave and um I knew that you know there was a point when he would be drinking that it could also switch and that which there was a great, there was a look in his eye. And when that look came about him, it was like this verbal and like unleashing would happen. And you would just be like, Oh my God, like what, what did I do to piss you off? Like what, what happened here? Like we were just talking about this. We were just talking about a band or we, and, and it would be like a look in his eye. And, and I don't even know it was like a reptile, like thinking now, like, I just feel like it was just like a reptile, like just some something came in him. And so then like the next day he would wake up and I would be like, so like traumatized, like, Oh my God. Like, um, and I think that's when I kind of started to speak up. I would say like, God, you know, like what happened last night? Like we were having a good time and all of a sudden you just started like saying all this crazy stuff and you were like talking out of your head and you were saying, you know, and he would be like, I don't know. What are you talking about? Like, that's no, I would never say that, you know? And so then I started to like question myself. I started to like realize like, and I felt like maybe I, that's something, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was me. You know what I mean? Maybe it was just me that like, 
you know, shouldn't have said, like, you know, this band was really good or whatever it was. Like, I was making, like, excuses for whatever, you know, because there was no sense of responsibility for him. Like, he didn't say, oh, my God, like, are you kidding me? I didn't, I said that to you? Like, there was just kind of like, I didn't say that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's so crazy, you know? And so I think that's when I started to learn, like, this anxiety dance that we would do, you know, or walking on eggshells. Like, if I say this, then that means that he's not going to, you know, like, kind of jockeying for him not to say these things. But what I realized is that anytime, you know, like, he really wanted to, he could unleash. And I was reading in, in this book, you know, this one time about the fact that, like, most guys who are like that, like the verbal abusers or whatever, that also use drinking as an excuse, um, like drinking doesn't make someone do that all the time. Like there's, there, there is that, but they already have that in them. Like they already have that like venom in them, you know, drinking just allows it to come out more, you know what I mean? And you know, at the time I, I didn't, I couldn't understand because I'm like, God, we're newlyweds. Like, do you not like me? Like what, you know, I, it, it was almost kind of like he didn't, there was this, um, like, I didn't feel like he really liked me. You know what I mean? Let alone loved me, let alone like wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. So I kept hustling. I kept hustling for my worth for him. You know what I mean? Like, if I just do this better, if I just act like this better, if I just, you know, and so that became the, the framework of our marriage, you know? Um, and, you know, I had one of my like very best friends, she, you know, came and visited us and right away she, she kind of said, you know, like, are you happy? You know what I mean? And I said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like super happy. Like our life is great here. And, you know, and she said, are you sure? Like, you okay? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I, and I saw at the time, like, I was kind of mad because I was like, why are you asking me that? Like, I'm okay. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You know, kind of thing. And, um, and, you know, and so I just, you know, like kind of got used to this like little dance that we would do, you know? Um, and very often, I mean, that's, that's how we kind of, you know, how our relationship was, he would be all about him. It would be whatever he wanted. And I would just make sure that like, okay, yeah, you're good. You know, like, that's cool. Yeah, sure. That works, you know, and giving so much of myself, you know, and as I like talk about these things and I, you know, like I said, I was telling you before, like I've been journaling for the past year and it's so crazy the things that you do, you know what I mean? To keep this relationship viable. Like it's like you hustle, you work, you, you bend over backwards. You just are so accommodating. Um, but again, I think it's like the, like there was brainwashing going on there. And, and you say that because, you know, like I used to think like people who were like brainwashed were like, you know, sci-fi people or like people in the twilight zone or something, you know, like I had this really crazy, weird kind of, you know, oh, what is brainwashing whatever, you know, but you don't realize how like subtle and how, um, how low that process starts. And 
So how, 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 did he, how did he do that uh, to you? Because I guess he was sowing the seeds of doubt inside you? Yeah. Well, and that is like the biggest thing. That right there, what you just said, is doubt. Doubt is the biggest thing that I have had to overcome when, like, leaving this relationship. Because I was so, like, there was so, there was so much doubt. Like, if I just did this better, if I just did this better, was I this? You know, the, the self-blame and the self-doubt that you have when you leave these relationships is just, like, for me, it was, like, the biggest thing that I, like, I had to wrestle with. Because that's really kind of the hallmark of it is planting those seeds. The biggest thing though, like how it kind of just started is, it's just those little subtle things, you know, those little things that like, I, and the only example I can kind of like really lay it out is, is the fact that like, um, like therapy was a big thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, he would do these kind of things, you know, these little, like, where I would question my sanity or I would question, like, did I really hear that? Did he really say that? Did he, maybe I, if I just worked harder, if I just did this differently or whatever, you know, and I would start to kind of question my sanity a little bit, or maybe I was super anxious or maybe I was like feeling depressed or whatever it was. And so he would start to say, you know, like maybe you need to go to therapy. Maybe you need to kind of like work on like whatever's going on with you, you know? And so I would kind of take the blame. I would, I would take the, the fall for whatever was going on. And I just, I would like my life, I almost spent like probably, you know, 10, 15 years in therapy. My life became like a therapy project. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking there was nothing really traumatic that happened to me that I need to, you know, be a counselor every week for, you know, but it was almost like he would, he would turn situations. And to give an example, I mean, there's so many things that like he would just kind of like um, turn situations to make it kind of be like my fault. Like there was no, like he didn't take any responsibility for anything. There was never like, oh my God, like I really screwed up on that. Like, I'm so sorry I hurt you. Or it was always like, I didn't say that. What do you, what do you mean? I would never do that. I would never say that. And so then I'm like thinking to myself, like, oh my God, like, am I, am I okay? Like, <laughs> do I need to go see somebody? Okay. Yeah, I guess I do. I, I'm going to find myself out for therapy. So I would see a counselor and I would talk about like, you know, maybe it was this issue back in, you know, 1980 that happened to me, or maybe it was this or that or whatever. And it, it just became like this unraveling. And, and it was almost like he enjoyed me being the problem, so to speak. So he didn't have to face anything or that I became like labeled as a crazy one. Or you're too sensitive or you're, you know, you're just taking things the wrong way, you know? And, um, and that was like, that was hard. You know what I mean? Because there was no, there was no sense of responsibility. He didn't take any, he didn't, he didn't care. You know what I mean? Enough to fix any kind of problems. It was always kind of like laid on me, you know? And when we started to have kids, um, you know, I have three kids, we have three kids together and, um, and it was, it was more of that kind of thing. Like it was slowly like, you know, oh, I'm going to go out with my friends or whatever. And I would, I would wonder, like, I would be home with the kids or 
my daughter or whatever when I first had her. And, and it was like he was still in that party mode. But I also knew that, like, when he was going to come home, that there was going to be this verbal, and un- un- you know, unleashing. Like, he would just kind of, like, you know, um, say something crazy. So I would always try to be in bed with with my daughter. And I would just say, you know, like, oh, oh, I went to bed, you know, kind of thing. You know, so I didn't have to hear him. Um, so I think some of that was, like, you know, that he was, you know, like a bench drinker, alcoholic kind of, you know, guy. I know that he was. Um, but you know, I used to think that the, the whole thing would settle down, um, or that it would be okay if he just got sober. I thought that that would like fix everything. And so I would like encourage him like, you know, Hey, you know, like you need to get help. Like you need to really, and he would just say, you know, like, no, I can quit on my own. I can quit on my own, you know? And I would say, no, like really you need to get some help. And and he would just kind of chalk it up being like, you know, it's it's not a big deal. Like, really, like you're making this out to being like such a big deal. And then he started, he would start to say things like, you know, you used to be so fun, but you're not really that fun anymore. Like, you're kind of lame, you know. And, of course, then I had like three kids and I was, you know, taking care of them. And, um, and he would say things like, you know, I remember like nursing my son and, um, you know, and I was exhausted. I mean, um, I was exhausted and just so tired and he wanted to go out with his friends. And I said, you know, could you take care of the other two? You know, why I'm putting him to bed. And he just said, you know what? You're a real fucking cunt. You're a super fly cunt. And I was just like, what, what did you say to me? You know what I mean? Like what? And he would say things like this to me. And I was just like, what? Like, just the most hurtful, vile, hard thing to say. And it just like rolled off of his tongue. Like it was nothing. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, like I would never speak to somebody like that. And he did it so regularly. It became just like that's kind of how he started to, you know, devalue me. Those little, those little seeds of doubt is what really kind of like, gets intertwined into your soul. Like that's just is so like it's so hard to to deal with that sometimes, you know, because even now a year out, there's times where I think to myself, did I do everything I could? Did I do everything I could to make you know, and, and it's like you have to constantly, you know, educate yourself and tell yourself, like, look at the journals. Look at what you wrote. Do you think that is love? And, you know, one of my very best friends, like, after she was killed, I went into this deep, dark depression. I was so, like, she was my childhood friend, and we just, I mean, she was there from the birth of my kids. She was there for every single thing that I can remember. And being an only child, I felt like she was, like, my sister. So she was um, killed. And I just lost it. And I could not regain myself for probably a year. And it was the hardest, most hardest time of my life. But there were times where I could see him almost like, why are you still crying over that? Like, why are you sad? Like, you need to move on with your life. Like, things happen. You know what I mean? Or, or, you know, like they things happen and, and I would just be like, 
okay, like maybe, maybe I am too sensitive. Like maybe I need to get it together. And then, then I would like, you know, kind of be like, oh my God, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe, you know, like grief would just come over me. And, and, and it was almost like he didn't, he didn't have any compassion for that or there was no, there was like this lack of empathy or feeling or whatever. Like he couldn't relate to why I was upset, you know? And so, you know, um, I think he resented sometimes the fact that I was grieving and he couldn't, hand, he couldn't fix it, you know? And I didn't, I didn't expect him to fix it because you can't fix that. You know, it's just something that you have to just, you know, kind of allow yourself to, you know, um, go through, you know, and I think he kind of hated that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, you know, after we, you know, like we're married for a while and, and stuff like that, we decided to come back. Um, and we wanted to, like, we both were kind of getting into like holistic health and we were, you know, wanting to, um, open up like a yoga studio. And, um, and he, so I got certified as being a yoga teacher and then he also got certified as being a yoga teacher. And, um, he was, you know, going to yoga studios all the time. I mean, he was so consumed with it and I was like still raising kids. So I was kind of like, yeah, I like to do it, but you know, I don't like to do it all the time like you do, you know, and he would be there like at, you know, the very first class of the day and then he would be at the evening classes. And so I was like, God, you're like doing like two yoga classes a day. Are you like good? You know what I mean? Like, are you feeling, you know, he's like, no, no, I love it so much. And it's my way of dealing with like, you know, stress and anxiety and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, well, whatever helps, you know? Um, and I was also kind of glad that he was like not drinking as much either because I was like, you know, this is like a good stress reliever and, and maybe he has changed. Um, and I started to notice like, he's not really wearing like his wedding band anymore. You know what I mean? And then I would ask him like, okay, so like, where's your wedding band? And he would just say like, well, you know, like when I do yoga, like it really like hurts my finger. Like it just really like presses down and, and I don't like the way it feels. And I was like, okay, um, all right, well, I guess, you know? And so I think, um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. you know, like that should have been like, hmm, something's going on. Um, but I, again, you know, there, there's the, um, betrayal of yourself where you just kind of don't question things. You just kind of go with it. You just kind of, you know, sweep it under the rug. Like, Oh, maybe that is true. Maybe he doesn't like wearing the ring or whatever. And so he would say things like, you know, maybe I'll get a tattoo of my, you know, wedding band or whatever on my finger. And he, of course he never did, you know, um, but it was just something that he kind of strung me along and would say that. And, you know, I ended up like, I was cleaning out some stuff and I found it in this like craft box, like this, like where all the markers and Play-Doh and stuff like that was like, I found his ring like stashed there. And I just kind of like remember thinking like, it really didn't mean anything for him to like put it up like next to his nightstand or anything like that. It was just like crammed in this like random box of crap, you know what I mean? That my kids had. And I just, I felt like an X factor. Like I was just kind of like, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, 
but again, you know, he would say, you know, oh, it's just, you know, I didn't, I didn't like to wear my ring or whatever. And, um, you know, and that's kind of, you know, another thing that I wish I would have like addressed, like, okay, like something more was going on, like dive a little bit deeper, you know? Um, but I had, were you also in a way you have three kids, um, you, uh, are working at that point. Um, yeah. are, are and it, to question that is scary when you have it's, three, three yeah. children, you don't know what yeah. you're going to do if things, uh, if there's a divorce or where you're going to go, it's just a scary place to be. Absolutely. And I think that that's like the one thing that I think I wrestled with a lot because there's this sense of security and family unit that you have that you kind of sweep things under the rug that you kind of just like try to keep the peace or you kind of just try to say, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of weird, but I don't, I can't really go there. I can't really tackle that right now because there's, you know, like kids have homework to do and I have bills to pay and I have, and, and I noticed like our intimacy level was like dwindling. Like there was not really any like connection. There was no like real touch or whatever. And, um, and that was really hard. You know what I mean? Because I thought, well, maybe we're just really both tired. Maybe we're just really both like just busy with stuff, you know? Um, and so, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't question anything. I kind of chopped it off. You know, everything was just kind of like an excuse and living in this land of denial. Um, and so we ended up, um, kind of like starting a yoga, like studio. And at the time he, we had moved back to Florida with our kids. Um, and we just kind of took a little time out. Like we ended up like selling our house and sold all of our belongings. And we went to Florida and we were like, you know what? Like, let's just kind of like have an adventure. Like something, you know, just kind of, you know, for a moment, kind of crazy, you know, wild card kind of thing. Like, let's just do this. Let's just, you know, on a whim kind of thing. So he got a transfer with his job. And, um, and so we went to, you know, like Florida for a couple of years. And then we decided to come back home. And when we did, I brought the kids with me. Um, and he was working on a transfer with his company. And um, I had, like, I had come back with the kids, like, in October. And, um, and he said, you know, I'll be there, like, in the next couple weeks. Like, they're working on paperwork and transferring and all this kind of stuff. And in the meantime, like, you find a place for our yoga studio. Like, I want you to work on getting, like, the yoga studio together. And, you know, like, let's just do that, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. So I took our three kids and traveled back to our hometown and, um, and I found a great little place and by the least for our yoga studio. And I started just kind of chipping away at that. And, um, and during that time, like my dad had gotten really, really sick and I almost like felt like, you know, like we kind of thought like he wasn't going to make it. And I would talk to him on the phone you know, my husband and I would say, you know, like, he's really bad. Like, I don't know, like, from day to day, like, if he's going to make it. 
And I would hear him on, on the phone and he would just be like, oh my God, that's just terrible. You know, but he didn't really offer to come back home. Like he didn't offer like, oh my God, I'm going to be on the next flight. Like I got to be there with you guys. Like, you know, um, he just kind of like had this back kind of like dance, like where he just kind of like, oh my God, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that. You know what I mean? And at the time it was like, you know, I, I have three kids, but I'm, you know, each one was like in elementary school, middle school and high school. So I'm, they're all scattered, different schedules. And I was chipping away at this yoga studio and then boom, where we were living, my, my dad was really sick and my mom was just back and forth to the hospital. So like life was in complete chaos and craziness. And, um, and I didn't really feel like there was that connection with him. There was like this lack of like, I couldn't explain it. It was like, like just not connected is all I can say. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was some kind of preoccupation going on. And I, and I just chalked it up to being like me just being so busy with everything. So my dad ended up getting, he was okay. And he got out of the hospital and now by this time, um, it was like in December. And so it was like two and a half months since I had left, you know, Florida and he was still working on the transfer, you know, where he had told me, Oh, it'll be just a couple weeks and I'll be back. It was like, now we're going into like two and a half months. And, um, and he would say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fly and I'm going to go do like a couple, like these yoga retreats and things like that. Like I'm going to go sign up and I'm going to go do, you know, some yoga retreats at, um, you know, this, this other town or whatever. And so he would get an airline ticket and he would go and he would do his thing and, and then, you know, I would talk to him, you know, when he would come back and I would, you know, I would say, well, how, you know, how was everything? And he would say, oh, it was the greatest weekend of my life. And I had, a, and I'm thinking, like, I'm at home, I'm in our hometown and I'm like dealing with my, you know, like I'm, you know, living with my three kids at my parents. Um, my dad just got out of the hospital. You know, my mom was struggling, you know. Um, and I'm building a yoga studio and you're off doing like these yoga retreats in heaven. Like you're living your best life, basically, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, so I think there was something kind of stirring there. You know what I mean? There was kind of this starting to come out of the fog a little bit, you know, so to speak. And, um, I didn't really want my parents to know what was going on with us. There was this, there was this secrecy that was kind of wrapped in our relationship. Like no one knew that the, the amount of drinking that he would do, you know what I mean? No one really knew the inner workings of our marriage. Like it was kind of like hush hush, you know, like everything looks fine on the exterior, you know, as long as we look pretty, everything's great and wonderful. And no one really can stop and look at what's going on in the inner working, you know? And so to maintain that, I just kind of kept everybody at arm's length, you know, and, um, and that caused a lot of anxiety for me because now we're living at my parents' house. Now this is a real, this is a real issue. This is something that really, really did happen. You know, it wasn't, oh, you're crazy or chalk it up to whatever. It, this was a real thing, you know, and it scared me. But then at the same time, there was this part of me that was like, oh, but he's a yoga teacher. And, oh, but he's like super, you know, like, you know, like we have this 
yoga studio now and, and he's working and, and the security and the family unit, like, I can't pull the trigger. I can't, I can't like, this is like a house of cards, like everything is built on this, you know what I mean? And so like, if I, if I really tell him to get out, like he, we don't have a house, like we're living at my parents, where is he going to go? You know what I mean? And so like, there was part of me that didn't really want to like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's this enabling part I learned, you know, through the process of this is, you know, there's a little bit of codependency and enabling that I had been kind of either groomed for or that I allowed in some ways, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but it was dysfunction, you know, that was happening. And, um, and, but I knew that like, oh my God, we couldn't look like we were falling apart when we had just started this business. We had just started the yoga studio. So if I could just get him sober, then that would be okay. You know what I mean? And so of course, then he's telling me this whole time, like, you know what? Well, I'm, I, you know what I'll do is I'll just stop drinking. I'll just stop drinking for a couple months. You know, like just, I, I just, I, I'm tired of it anyway. You know what I mean? And that was always kind of the classic line that, that he would do. He would, he would have these bouts of binge drinking and then uh, fall apart and cause chaos and craziness. And then somehow kind of say, I'm going to stop drinking and I'm going to get it together. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like the cycle, the cycle that kept spinning around in our our marriage, you know, which was something that I had heard a thousand times. And, um, but I knew at this particular time, I really couldn't do anything because we had this yoga studio and we had to get out of my parents' house and we had to like build our life. And so there were many different factors that were going in. And so I do what I always do. And I went into therapy again, you know, and, um, and this time I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the big guns because I really need to fix myself. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I feel so anxious. I don't know why I feel so depressed. Like what is wrong with me? And, and, and so I signed up to start doing EMDR therapy and, um, EMDR therapy is a lot of trauma therapy. It's, 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 um, I had a really amazing counselor that really was like during one of our first sessions, she said to me, she said, are you ready? And I was like, yeah, of course I, I want to get better. I don't, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what the, you know, and at the time she didn't know what I was there for. You know what I mean? Like she knew that I had trauma, you know, from losing, you know, um, my best friend, you know, suddenly and, and, you know, just like little childhood stuff. But it was, it was like, you know, she didn't really know what, we were really embarking on and neither did I for that matter. Like I kind of like had been in such deep, thick denial about my life and the ways that I had betrayed myself, the ways that this was such a toxic relationship, you know? And so when I started to go to therapy, you know, we would work on these little traumas and we would start to unleash those and she would get me clear and she would say, you know, like, how do you feel about this? And I would be like, Oh my God, so much better. Like we were making some real headway, you know what I mean? And I was feeling like, wow. And, and during this time, she was also kind of like counseling me about, you know, some other things, you know, she would say, like, how's your relationship with your husband? And, and I would say, Oh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. You know, but she kept like spotting me. She kept like poking. And it was like this elephant in the room that I wasn't really willing to like, look at 
I was I was willing to do the work of, about the other stuff. Like I was willing to go to the dark pits of like you know losing my friends suddenly and and you know um, other like weird little childhood stuff or you know traumas or or things that I had had in my past. And I was willing to go to those depths, but I wasn't really willing to talk too much about my my relationship with my husband. And then, like, we, you know, we started to, like, you know, she started to poke and prod, and she would say things like, how is the intimacy? How is this? And so each week kind of revealed another, like, layer upon layer. And she said, you know, I want you to really start to talk about that. You know, I want you to open up about, like, what you're feeling about this, you know, relationship. And, and I slowly started to, like, here inside, I was starting to slowly uncover some things, and the more and more I started to like dive in, the more and more it started to like the fog started to lift, and I realized that I was in a very abusive relationship. Like there were so many things that started to surface. And the things that he would do or like, I would be, you know, um, I mean, like the things started to kind of come together and I was just like, what's happening? And, and, oh my God, is this really what our relationship is like? And, and it was like, I couldn't gaslight myself anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't chalk it up to being like, oh, we're so busy or, oh, this is just the way it is. Or, oh, this is a good wife does. Or I couldn't do that anymore. It was like something had happened where my whole, like, the only way that I can kind of describe it is like sleeping beauty. Like, I just woke up and I looked around and I was just like, oh my God, this is my relationship. And I had to like, once you see it, you can't go back to sleep. You can't go back to sleep. And so during this time, again, we, you know, we hadn't been intimate in like, it was almost like a year, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, something's wrong here. Something's really wrong here, you know, and we weren't connecting. It was kind of like he would do these binge shrinking things and then he would get back on the, like, he would be able to binge drink for a couple of days and then get back on the wagon and then go teach a yoga class. But when he was with me, he would say things like, you know, you're a fucking cunt. And I've, I've stayed in this marriage for a long time trying to keep you sane. I've been, I've been, you know, I've wanted to leave so many times, but I didn't want to like disrupt the apple cart. And then he would go and teach a yoga class that same day. You know what I mean? So I could see like there was like this flip-flop. There was this, this, this really crazy hurtful things that he would say, but then he could turn on the charm when he would go teach. And I, I just kept like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that that was the same person. You know what I mean? And so then I would kind of talk to my counselor about that. I would say, but he says this kind of thing. And he does, he does this kind of thing. And she would say, okay. And you know, like, what's your definition of love? What is your definition of love? And so like, we would start to explore that and we would start to say, and, and so slowly it was like an unveiling. It was like this, this, like, I'm going to lift the sheet up and you can see things for what they are. And, and I was just terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And so 
he had had this binge drinking episode where he had just, I had gone and taught um, a yoga class and I came home and he had just like drank and there were beer cans all over and he was passed out on the couch and he had like pissed all over himself. And I remember walking in from like the yoga class that I had just taught and I thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. And so I went upstairs and the next day he left to go teach his yoga class. And he came home and he said, how mad are you, Abby? And I said, I can't do this anymore. And so I left and I went and I did a trip. Um, like I drove a couple hours away and I did, I got a cabin and I just stayed there by myself. And I just needed time to like get my head right. Like I just, like I had a moment of just like, what are you going to do? You know? And after that trip, I came back home and I knew what I needed to do, but like actually doing it was another thing. And I said, you have to get, you have to get help. You have to get help. There is no like if, ands, or buts. And he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I will, I will. You know, and I was like, listen, I'm done. Like I'm completely exhausted. I'm completely done. And so he said, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Maybe I just need to check myself into like, you know, a treatment center and I just need to kind of do this. And by that time, like I kind of believed him, but then at the same point I was like, you know, like I felt exhausted. I felt mentally, physically drained and I couldn't do it. And, but then again, I had this yoga studio. I had to keep up the appearance. I had to like be the good wife. I had to stick with him through thick and thin. I had to like just do my duty. Right. You know? And so I just tried really hard and I just cut, I said, okay, you know, like whatever. And then like a week went by and still nothing, you know? And he didn't, he said, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll call the, you know, I'll call therapist tomorrow or whatever. And then it was like, well, you know, what kind of insurance should I, you know? And so it was kind of like the stalling around kind of thing. And, um, and then, you know, it was, it was last, like, end of June last year, and he had brought home, like, a six-pack of, like, non-alcoholic beers. And I looked at him, and I said, the cycle is starting again, isn't it? Like, you're craving, you're, you're, you're having this, like, romanticizing the alcohol again or whatever. And he looked at me, and he said, why don't you mind your own fucking business? And I was just like, Oh my God, you know? And I'm like, this is crazy. This is, this is crazy. And he went on this like silent treatment for about three weeks and he would, you know, come home from work and he would make his self dinner and he would go up to bed and he would go to sleep and he would get up in the morning and he would teach his yoga class. And he would go to work all day and then he would come home, make his own dinner and then go to bed. And that was the cycle that he has for like three weeks. And I was like, listen, I've got kids here that need to have dinner that I'm teaching. Also, I'm working at the yoga studio. I'm trying to, you know, like figure life out too, you know, like what is going on with you? And he just was like, I don't want to talk about it. And it was like, it's a silent kind of like treatment. Like there was no, like he wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't, when he would sleep, he would, like, I would go to bed at, like, you know, 12, midnight or whatever, and he would have been in bed by, like, 8 o'clock. 
And I was like, but you're not even like entertaining the kids. Like you're not like you're doing your own dinner or you're, it's like, we don't even exist. Like what the hell is going on here? You know? And so I had like written him and I said, you know, I had texted him and I said, listen, I said, either we're going to fix this or we're not. And I'm willing to go to counseling. Are you willing to go to counseling? And he said, no, I'm, I'm really tired of the drama. I'm tired of you thinking that everything is a problem. I just want out. And I just remember thinking, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I am trying my hardest. You know what I mean? Like, I am trying so hard to, like, fix it. Like, you know, and, and you know, like, it was almost like he just kind of, like, you know, said to me, like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of you being the problem. I'm tired of you, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking, are you really just going to throw away this marriage? Or are you just really going to not like go to counseling and give it your all? And he said, he said, no, he said, I, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore or something like that. I just wanted to end. And, um, and I said, okay, you know, like, wow, you know, like through text message, you know what I mean? And, and I'm thinking, this is like, you know, a 20, 22 year marriage and you're basically fucking just throwing it away. And I said, well, if you're that unhappy, maybe you should go and try to find like a plate, you know, maybe like separating or something, you know, again, this is all through text message. And he's like, okay, fine. He said, well, I don't really have the money to go and rent a place, but I'm going to go look at the studio. And I'm like, you're going to what? You know what I mean? Like, what? What the, what the hell? You know? And, um, and so he did. He ended up, like, packing up, like, a big suitcase and, like, taking a lot of stuff with him. And um, we had a back room to the studio that just had kind of, like, a couch and stuff like that. And so um, I thought, yeah, you know what? I thought what's going to happen is he's going to, like, realize, like, in about three days, like, how much his family meant to him and he's going to come back. You know what I mean? And, um, and this is kind of like where I started to see like this shit really unfolding. You know what I mean? Like before I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to say from the outsider, like this was a toxic relationship and this was really bad. But this is like where for me, it's like, really hit it home, you know what I mean? Where I knew what I was in for and there was no denying it anymore, you know? Um, so he, you know, so he had moved out and he was living at the studio and he would send me these messages that were basically like really hateful, you know, just kind of like poking me and saying things, you know, and I would, and I would be like, you know, you're really not doing anything to help the situation. Like, do you want to go to counseling? And he's like, he's like, no, I just wanted to end and all this stuff like that. And how much child support do you think that you're going to get from me? And, and all this stuff. And, and I was just like, why, why don't you just take like about a couple weeks and you go your way and I go my way. And we just kind of like stop talking for a minute because I think that things are just so crazy right now. And, um, and he would send these just, really hateful, like, messages. Like, you think you're going to, you know, um, take everything that I have and all this stuff and I'm going to show you, you know. And, and I was just like, why are you saying this kind of stuff? Like, chill out. Just chill out. Like, stop, you know. 
and um, and I would ask them like, do you do you like need to come home to get a shower? Do you like you know I know our studio doesn't have a shower. Like, do you, what are you doing? And he's like, no, I bought a gym membership and I'm going to get a shower at the gym. And I was like, okay, like all right, fine. You know what I mean? And I would say like, are you going to come home and see the kids? Are you like? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be here at this time and I'll pick up the kids and take them out to dinner. And I was like, okay. You know, so it was kind of like this really weird dynamic that started to happen, you know, and during the course of this is like, he would, um, like send messages and I would say, you know, like what, what's your intention? Like, are you really like, we're not going to go to counseling. We're not going to do this anymore. And he would say like, he's like, no, I just, I just, you know, like, I can't stand you. I can't, you know, like, um, you know, like you're just, you're just a fucking bitch and you're this and that. And I was just like, Oh my God, like we're two yoga teachers. Like, aren't we supposed to have our shit together? Like, aren't we supposed to like, you know, like, I don't know. Like it just felt like it was the most toxic thing. And it was like degrading and it was mean and it was like belittling little things that he would say. And, um, and he would pick up the kids and he would take them out, you know, and, I, at the time I was having like problems with like my 15 year old and I was like, why is she so like mad at me? Like what is going on? Like I couldn't understand like why, like, you know, it was, it was beyond like the rebel stage. It was like, you know, yeah, like, you know, I would, I would be like the heavy on things like, no, you're not allowed to do this or, you know, like, no, you're grounded for doing this. And he would undermine that. He would start to mess with that dynamic of the parent-child kind of relationship. Now I know what it's called, like parent alienation. But at the time, I kept thinking, like, what what's going on with her? Like, why is she so angry at me? Like, this is not my fault. Like, this is not. And she would be like, you know, just getting really back talky, and she would say things like, you know, she would stand up in in my face and say like you know, fuck you, mom. And I would be like, what did you just say? Like, get up here. I'm like, you're not going to speak to me like that. And this one particular time that she had kind of gotten into my face, I told her, I said, you go up to your room. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to do this right now. And she was, you know, I hear her on speakerphone. And I thought she was like talking to her boyfriend. And she just said, you know, like, yeah, she's a real fucking bitch. And, and I just, you know, I'm, I can't believe how she acts. And, and then I'm like standing by her door, listening to her as she's talking about me. And what I thought was her boyfriend on speakerphone was actually my husband. And he was saying to her, like, you know what? Everybody thinks she's a saint, but you know what? We know who she really is. And I want you to try to get that on film. You know, I want you to try to tape her so that way I can bury her. I'm going to take her ass to court and I'm going to bury her ass. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what the hell is like, he's like Oz behind the, the green curtain. You know what I mean? Like he's pulling, he's been pulling the strings for her to act out with me so he could be the good parent. You know what I mean? It was like this, this very crazy thing, you know, like he would tell her like, you know what, I've been working my whole time that we've been married and your mom has never done anything. And I'm like, that's not true. Like I've worked 
you know, I've been raising kids. I've been like working in a nonprofit for 10 years. I worked at a hospital for, you know, five years. Like, what are you talking about? But he would tell my kids, like, I paid for everything and your mom's not done anything and your mom, blah, blah, blah. And like, he would say those things to my kids. And then I would have to kind of deal with that backlash of like, yeah, you know, dad, dad really has done all this stuff for you, mom. Like why, you know, and then I knew that when that started to happen, that there was no more trying to repair this relationship. Like it was like, we're done. You know what I mean? And when I started to kind of get that in my mind, I started to just kind of like, there was this moment of just starting to kind of slowly start to check out. Like I just started to um, kind of just like, oh my God, like this is actually really happening. Like this is, this is the father of my three kids. We've been married for 22 years and now he's trying to turn my kids on me. And that was like incredibly painful. Like I, like there are no words that describe that. Like the, the fact that you're already having problems with, you know, like the kids were struggling with like the separation and, you know, they were, you know, in their teenage years and then you throw that kind of stuff on top of it. Like there's just some real demonic forces that were happening, you know what I mean? Like, like that's just so, that's so horrible for them. You know what I mean? It was horrible for me because it was like, I couldn't fix it and I couldn't, it was like, they almost kind of were, you know, believing everything that he was saying. And then therefore when they would come home, they would like rebel. And, um, and it was hard. It was hard to like try to, try to not dive into the pit with him and start like blood blinking. It was like, you know, well, you know, if you believe that, then I'm sorry, you know, like that's not true, but you know what I mean? And I would try to like really get my wits about me. But at the same time, it was so incredibly painful because, you know, especially with my daughter, I was just like, you know, like what is happening? And she would just, she would have such like heat for me, you know what I mean? And I couldn't understand why, you know? And so my birthday came around and I wanted like, you know, all my kids there. And, um, and he had orchestrated this scenario where my daughter started to, um, she was with him and she started to like unleash on me. You know what I mean? She would say like, you think you're a great parent, but actually you're really not, you know, dad and I see right through you. And, you know, and I was just like, oh my God, like I have my parents here. Um, I'm, it's my birthday. And right now I just feel like curling up in bed and just sobbing my eyes out. Like I just couldn't function. I was like, And it was just, it was so hard and so hurtful. And it was, and it was really wild. You know, it was almost like he was still, you know, like, you know, teaching at the studio, but then it was like, he was doing these little shady back things, you know, to get back at me. And like this vindictiveness that I had never seen before. And he, and when you're messing with like your kids and you're messing with the mother of your kids, like, there's something that just, like, turned on for me. Like, you don't mess with my kids. Like, you could mess with my head so much. But when you start to mess with my kids, that's a whole different game changer. You know what I mean? So that really, like, kind of kicked me into a different kind of gear. Like, I started to really see things 
as they were. And so during this time, we had also decided that, you know, we were going to close the yoga studio because I said, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't teach anymore. I didn't feel inspired. I felt like I couldn't do it anymore. And he had agreed and he said, you know, let's, yeah, let's, let's close the yoga studio. So I would go to the yoga studio and I would start to carry things out and I would take like pictures and plants and some props that we had and some things and I would start to carry them back home. And, um, and at the time he was like, you know, I, I, you know, really am tired of teaching and I really am, am done with it, you know? And so I, and so that kind of went on for, you know, a couple months of him saying that. And so I put out a letter to our community and I said, you know, like, we're sorry, we're going to close it. You know, it's not a sustainable business. And we really hope that everybody understands and we'll refund people. And I started to like refund people and tell them like, oh, here's another yoga studio 10 miles down the road and, you know, good luck and all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of like, you know, preparing to close our studio too at this time. And, um, and I got a text from him. And I, you know, and I opened up this text and it said, hey, um, by the way, I've decided to keep the yoga studio open and I don't want you there anymore. Um, I'm the one who has done everything and um, you're no longer welcome. And so so before already- you continue, technically what has happened here is he left the home. He went and lived at the studio, giving you zero option. He went to live at the studio. That puts a wedge into you even going to the studio. And because he's constantly there and living there, you decide, okay, he, we're going to just stop the business as a whole, you know, which takes away your living from you. And then once you decide that he secretly goes behind your back, hijacks your business for you. You're not in the business anymore. And now he's there. He's a hero. And you know, it's all his now and you're gone and he's done it all kind of secretly or just, you know, behind you, just really behind your back. Yes. It was, it was like, brutal. It was like, what just happened? You know, and, and it was like, I could see the whole picture at this point. Like that was like, that was the, the absolute cherry on top that I knew that I, it was no longer viable. Like I knew he had already messed with my kids. He had now taken the thing that I absolutely loved to do and felt so passionate about and still connected to. So even if you wanted to restart another studio somewhere else, your loyal fan base wasn't going to come. They were already still with him. Yes. Yes. And that's, and I couldn't, I couldn't even think along those terms. I wasn't even functioning in a way, in a way of even saying, you know, even if I went to another studio, like I wasn't even thinking like I could even teach a yoga class because my anxiety and my like panic attacks were so bad. Like I just, I felt like I needed to hide. I needed to hide because I didn't know what he was saying about me. I didn't know what was being spread about me. But, you know, the the yoga teachers that were there, they were like, well, I know you guys are really having a hard time. And it's so great though that you know, that he's taking over the studio and he's going to, 
you know, just kind of, you know, save the day. And that's great. I mean, I'm glad that you guys could at least keep it open. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you don't know what he did in order to keep that open. Like, you don't know that, like, you know, what had just transpired, you know. And um, and they were, like, just kind of, like, still kind of blindly supporting him. Like, it was just, it felt so personal. It felt so, like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it, it was being exiled from your own space that you created. Like, when I, I remember. In like, a strange way. There's also spiritual abuse uh, occurring here. Oh my, oh my God, tremendous! Like that was that was the thing. Like this was a space that I had created. You know, like I had picked out the color of the wall because it was like you know this really peaceful color, and I had had like you know um, a artist do like angel wings, and it, it was it was like beautiful. It was like just it was everything that I had wanted and dreamed about. And, um, and I had really hoped that like my intention for, um, for the space was, is to, you know, every time I taught a class, I said to myself, like, let these walls, let this energy, let this healing help whoever needs to help. And so I was so invested in the space and creating such a great, peaceful space that I, you know, was so proud of and um, that other people felt welcome and that it was a space of healing and wonderfulness. And then it was just ripped from me. And then I couldn't even go back to that space because that now I felt completely violated from that space. Like I couldn't, the, the very thing that I needed at that time was yoga and healing, but I couldn't go back to my own space. Like it felt like it felt like all these people around me were still enjoying the space, but I couldn't be there. You know what I mean? And it felt so personal and so violating that I couldn't even, I was, I was curled up on my couch and I was sobbing. I mean, that's how I spent so much of my time. You know, it's just like, I can't believe this is, this was a space that I wanted to have healing for people and, and good, good workshops and good, practice and all this other stuff but now it was like everybody else in our community was you know saying oh my god I'm so glad that he's at least able to keep it open I know that these two aren't going to work out but I'm glad that he's able to keep it open and good for him you know that kind of thing and I thought but they don't know what that meant like for me you know what I mean like it just it it felt like I was screaming at the top of my lungs that no one could hear me and it felt like so stifling and um and and I just, I just like shrunk down. I just like went internal and, um, and you know, like about a week later at this time, I still had filed for divorce. And a week later he said, you know, I am, um, I'm going to sell the house. And I thought that was like, we're done. <laughs> like, and I didn't have, I didn't have any money. I didn't, that was the other thing that was kind of preventing me. I was asking my family, I was saying, you know, like I need, you know, this amount of money to start to file for divorce. Like, I know this is what I need to do. And it was causing me, like, tremendous anxiety because I didn't, like, I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have, like, means to really, like, my credit wasn't that great. I didn't have, like, rich parents. I didn't have, like, a rich uncle or anybody that I could, like, reach out to. And I was, like, and I was really, really knowing that, like, the only way that I can get away from him and... Like, he could really actually just come back to the house if he wanted to. Um, he could do all of these things. 
and he could still attack me. You know, it felt like attack. And so I, I felt like this, this sense of anxiety. And I happened to be talking to a really good friend um, that has also been a friend that had kind of gone to the yoga studio and she had taken my yoga classes. And I told her, I just opened up and I said, I know that you have gone through something like this. I don't know exactly your circumstances, but I'm in a really bad place right now. And I am trying to get money together to give to an attorney so I can file for divorce. Like, I, I don't know what else I can do. And she said to me, and, and I didn't talk to her with the intention of, like, oh, my God, do you have money that I can borrow? It was just I, I needed to unload and I needed, like, just for her to hear me because I, I knew that she had been through something along these lines. I didn't know exactly what had happened. But as I was talking to her, she said, how much do you need? And I told her how much I needed. And she said, I want you to meet me at this place at noon and I'm going to help you. And I was like, what did you just say? You know, and she said, I'm going to help you. And I went to straight to my lawyer's office and I said, here's money and I want to file right now. And she was like, okay. And so she did the paperwork she filed it, and and he absolutely went nuts at that point. He could not believe that I got the money. He could not believe that I filed, and from that point on, it was like game on. I don't know. Like, I think in breakups, there's this hard part of, you know, like, you know, oh, my God, this is really hard, like the memories, but... With these type of breakups, with the narcissistic abuse type of um, breakups, it is it is just a destruction of your soul. You know what I mean? It shatters your illusion um, of what I had thought my marriage was. Like my my feelings with him were a hundred percent. Like we're team us. Like we're yay. We're I, I got you. You you got me. And I always thought that that's how it really was. Like, I got you, you got me, we're a team, yay, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and my love was pure and my, you know, affection for him was pure. And, and I thought he walked on water and there was this built up kind of thing about him. And, and I loved him so much. But when I really looked at it and when I started to question what is my definition of love, would someone that I love hurt me like that? You know what I mean? Or, or the things that he was doing, was that really love? Like, would I do that? Like, you know, and, and so I just started to really kind of get a grip on that. And, and it was hard. It was really, really hard. And, um, you know, my, my therapist was so key during office because that's the thing that she kept saying is, is like they're so calculating, they're so manipulative. They gaslight you, they brainwash you, and and just those those terms were like bold terms. And you you hear these terms and you think like, yeah, brainwashing, yeah, that probably means that. But when you're in that, when you don't see it, when you don't understand it, you don't know what gaslighting is. You don't know what they twist things, they shift blame, that they can't take responsibility, that there's 
trauma bonds that happens. There's cognitive dissonance where you romanticize all the good parts, but yet you know that deep down there's this other part of them and the back and forth, the devaluation, the, you know, idolizing you, the back and forth, back and forth. And so it creates this strong trauma bond, you know, and, and hell, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what that was, but I had to slowly like, I mean, you know, therapy, education, all of that stuff was just like key to getting myself to think clearly because I kept wanting to go back even after all of that, even after all of the things he'd done and said and took away from me and the relationship that he, he ruined for me, I still wanted to romanticize him. And that's when I knew that I was really sick. That's when I knew that like, man, you have got to shine a light on your own self and you have got to pull yourself out of this gutter. Like that you are in, like you, you are going to have to do some major work. And, you know, it's the, the recovery of that is, messy and it's brutal and I remember not wanting to eat and to push everybody away you know the the anxiety the panic the racing thoughts that I had the depression the you know praying some night that I would wake up because I knew that the journey was so intense like the 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 recovery would be so hard to go through you know um my you know like my sense of security was gone. My safety was gone. How would I ever trust anyone ever again? Like this was somebody, you know, that I absolutely adored. How could I trust that I ever, if I ever got into another relationship, like how would I, you know, ever be able to really trust anyone? So, so everyone felt like I had to keep everybody in arm's length, you know, because nothing was like for sure. Nothing was, was safe, how would I, you know, survive raising three kids, you know, would he be a part of their life, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, and, you know, like I said, I kind of mentioned a couple of times, like this fog that you feel in these relationships, like you know something's wrong, but you can't really put your finger on it, like there's just something, and like there's this um, disconnect, there's this you know, there's something, but you just can't put your finger on it. What is it? You know? And I think that, you know, part of that is, is that you want to see things and believe you buy into a fantasy of what you want your life to look like or what you had imagined your life being. And then you are faced with the reality of what life actually is. And those two back and forth of, fantasy and, um, and not, you know, like in denial is, um, is, you know, just kind of like constantly wrestle with, like, am I going to believe in the fantasy today or am I going to actually see things as they are, you know, like back and forth, back and forth. And I remember that messing with my mind so bad is that I wanted to believe in oh my God, he was such a good guy. Like we went on vacations together and we laughed at this movie and, and he was still great at this. And, you know, like he held my hand during this or he, he was very compassionate and he was, but he was a yoga teacher and he's really nice and he's, he's good with people and he, like, he's so smart. And, and then there would be this 
side of, but this was abuse. Like, this is plain abuse. Like, you have to stay, like, forcing myself to face it, to face it. And that is so hard, you know, because, you know, if that also means that you have to, you have to really face the truth about yourself, you know what I mean? And, um, and so I think that's really hard. And, you know, and then the, the also recovery of that is, is that you're left with tremendous triggers. You're, you're triggered. You're, you know, you hear a song and it takes you back to, oh, yeah, we were riding in the car and, the, you know, and then that starts the whole reaction in your body, a whole typical reaction, you know, and nightmares. You know, I have, I have nightmares of it, you know, um, talking about it, you know, explaining it to people of what you just went through. Um, and how that impacted you and how that made you feel stirs up, and, you know, this, this unsettledness and this, this really tough thing to kind of swallow, you know, and how do you explain to people that, you know, now I'm a year out or whatever, and, and there's people that, you know, want to take me out on a date or whatever, and I'm like, I'm not even there yet, you know, but how do you, how do you even start to explain what you just went through, you know, and um, and I think that's really hard, you know what I mean, to really verbalize. Like I know emotionally and physically and, and psychologically what I went through and the way that it's impacted me and how it actually changed my brain, you know, like when I see him pull in to get the kids, there's this anxiety that comes over me and I just am like, okay, guys, come on, hurry up, get your bag, okay, okay, you know, and there's this, you know, I notice my, my breathing is, is shallow and I'm, I'm racing around and I'm, and, and then when he leaves, there's this sense of like, okay, I feel like I need to stop, I need to stop and center myself, I need to get back, get back, get back, you know, and that's always going to happen, you know, I mean, that's, that you know, it's a permanent mark on your brain that this person did to you. You know, it's a, it's a violation. It's a spiritual violation. It's a physical violation. It's a, it's a criminal act that was done, you know, and how do you ever put into words what that felt like? You know what I mean? And um, so, you know, as, as I recover a year out, it's been the most painful year and a lot of the time it feels like I'm walking up this very steep mountain that's very muddy and that I'm like giving it my all and I'm, and I'm climbing up as hard as I can and I fly down, you know what I mean? And then I look up and I know that I'm not at the very bottom of it, but I'm not at the top yet. And so... I keep working and I keep working and I keep trying and I slide down a little bit, but I know, you know what I mean? So like my feeling is not at the top of the mountain where I can look down and say, Oh my God, like this was the best thing that happened to me. It was brutal, but it, you know, I'm not there, but I can also appreciate where I was and where I still have to go. You know what I mean? And, you know, now I see, I look at him in, in such a different light, you know, when he drops off the kids, you know, I, I know that, like, that would have never worked. Like, I, I did the right thing, you know what I mean? And because there's a piece of that. And, and not only that, but I also, you know, 
had struggled too because he had moved on very quickly. You know, he had um, actually started dating, um, you know, a yoga teacher and she like, you know, works at the studio. And, um, and so it was, it felt violating again. It was like another like lashing that I got, you know what I mean? And I felt like, oh my God, it's like it sent me in a spiral. And I thought, but she's also like half his age. And I thought that's exactly what he wants. He wants someone that is easy to manipulate. He wants somebody that is easy to, you know, put him on a pedestal just like I did. Like I can see myself in her. And my friend had asked me and she said to me like, oh my God, like he's dating this girl that's super young. And, you know, and, and I said, but that's exactly what he wants. You know what I mean? That's exactly what will work for him because you know, I was once that girl's age, and I also believe, like, she does. And I think she probably feels like she just got a really great person in her life. But she has no idea what that ride is going to do to her. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, and it will absolutely destroy her if she does not wake up. You know what I mean? And so I don't feel ang- anger towards her. You know, I don't feel anything, like, hateful towards her. I feel sorry for her, if anything. So before we end off the show, I just have a couple questions. Uh, Is your divorce finalized? Yes. So (laughs) yes, and it it was finalized um, during all the the COVID stuff. And I had really talked to my attorney, and I said, you know, like I am really struggling with like being in the same room with him. Like I, there's this, you know, anxiety that I have. And she said, you know, like maybe you know we can figure out something. Well. COVID happened, and um, and so we actually had our divorce granted over the phone. So it, like, worked out really great. It was like I didn't have to face him. I didn't have to be in the same room with him. I could do a five-minute phone conversation with the judge, and it was over. Mm-hmm. So that is, like, done. And <laughs> you know? how is your relationship with your children? So my relationship with my kids has never been better. Okay. Um, my kids are doing really well. My 15 year old is now seeing the light and she is disgusted by her dad because she came to the conclusion and she said, you know, I feel like I was manipulated. I feel like dad would like unload on me and he would say all these things about you. And I couldn't understand why he would say like, what kind of parent does that kind of thing? And I would just kind of like sit back and just say, you know what? You know, like, I would try to validate her feelings, but I didn't want to be bashing on her dad, and I still don't bash on him. I just, I validate how her experience is, you know, and she now is struggling. Like, my kids are struggling with the fact that, like, he moved on so quickly um, and that he's got a young girlfriend that my oldest is, like, you know, six years younger than his girlfriend. And so they all kind of really don't want to hang out with him. They don't want to see him too much, you know. Um, and so they just kind of say, you know, like, dad doesn't, and they've all kind of come, come to this conclu- conclusion of saying, you know, like, dad doesn't really care about our feelings. Like, he doesn't, he's kind of just doing his own things. He's selfish. He doesn't care what we think, you know. And my 15-year-old had, like, texted him and said something like, you know, we don't want to be around you when you're with your girlfriend. Like, we don't want to be there at the same time. And he said, sorry you feel that way. 
you know, and, and so she said, sorry, I feel that way. Like I'm basically sending you this big long paragraph about how you've hurt our feelings and stuff like that. And you've been back, sorry, you feel that way. You know, so she, she kind of sees things very clearly, you know, and, and I think it's just, I think I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything for him to reveal who he was. And, you know, the kids are smart, you Mm -hmm. know, they see it, you know, I'm thankful for that, that you don't have to go through the parental alienation anymore. Cause that, uh, just sort of devastating. So I'm happy that absolutely um, that, yeah. that uh, your children are, are back in the fold. Thank you so much for having me on here. And, and if I could just add the fact that like there was this really um, like this short little poem that really rang true with me, but it was um, something about the Phoenix. And so it goes, and just as the Phoenix rose from the ashes, she too will rise, returning from the flames, quote, in nothing but her own strength, more beautiful than ever before. And so that just kind of like is on my journal and I wrote that and I and I reflect back on that because that is really what it takes to get through that. It's, it's you know, that inner strength that will eventually shine through and we'll get through it. So, so much love and gratitude all the survivors that have to go through something so painful you know it is the fight of your life and um you will come above it i mean it is it is hard well thank you for sharing that and i i really just want to thank you for coming on the show today and uh sharing your story uh with me and everyone else um it's been an honor and um I hope for everyone else out there listening, I hope you all have a good night.